Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that used to be about comic book movies and TV, but this week is about a uh, comic book movie. Not by design, <laughs> it just sort of turned out that way. <laughs> uh, I'm James Hunt. Joining me this week, as ever, is... Rich Richardson And Joe Cunningham. Uh, this week we'll be looking at Randall Park's 2023 movie, Shortcomings, which I have chosen because in the new format, we are we're doing a sort of revolving movie club. Last episode, Joe chose Poor Things, which we watched and reviewed. Um, this time I've got the guys to watch Shortcomings, which is a movie I saw at the cinema last year and have since rewatched. I'm looking forward to learning why you are wish to bring this to the movie club. But we will save that. That'll be we'll save that for later in the in the show. That's that's indeed. Indeed. Before that, we're going to do our regular slots. So we're going to talk about what we've been uh, watching in the intervening weeks. What have I been watching? Um, so I've seen a couple of new movies. Saw The the Zone of Interest and I saw Mean Girls. About which one? Which one, which one are you most excited uh, for have... to take about? Mean Girls or The Zone of Interest? Um, Zone of Interest. Okay. So I, I'm a big Jonathan Glazer fan. I kind of love all three of his... Uh, previous movies. I feel like it took me a real long time in the movie to adjust to what what it was doing. Um, and I, because I I, I I popped it on Letterboxd and I didn't pop in a star rating because I was kind of thrown, I think, by how much I knew about what the film was doing going in. Mm. And, and I feel like I, I, I hadn't read that much about it, but I just knew kind of like, you know, this, this, this is the perspective that the film is taking. And Jonathan Glazer is approaching it in a really formalistic manner, kind of dispassionate. Like it feels almost like it feels like Jonathan Glazer's almost like shooting it like a Michael Haneke movie. Um, and I, so I, I didn't feel this kind of like, uh, like a really like try to think the the way that some people have described it as if like it has just this really kind of like overwhelming emotional heft and that it kind of like it feels like impossible to exist alongside and I and I didn't I, I kind of didn't feel that I kind of felt like I was viewing it dispassionately almost as as much as Glazer was presenting it so I'm kind of keen to see it again at some point but yeah it kind of felt like I came out being like I like that. It's a really interesting formal exercise, but I haven't been blown away by it the same way I was the first time I watched Birth or Under the Skin. 
yeah, I kind of yeah, I uh, I I've seen I've seen it twice. Saw it in Cannes and saw it uh, last night actually. So um, fresh in the memory, but but um, the same for me, the same. Yeah, kind of very interesting. Very, it's just it's just this one sort of very evocative, provocative idea that he he ha- has, and it's you know it's the and the idea is you know for those who don't know you the idea is we are we will spend time with the family that with the the, the father that runs auschwitz um but you'll basically spend your the whole film or vast majority of the film at their house which is just on the on the side of the camp and you'll you'll sort of follow them as they go about their kind of mundane lives uh with constantly really the the horrors mostly yeah. sounds to be honest of auschwitz in the background that you as the audience of course know what's happening but the characters don't um, I'm, and I'm that, so glad I, I saw it in the cinema for that reason, though, Reese. The, the sound mm. design is phenomenal, um, and Jonathan Glazer does this really smart thing early on. Well, well, like literally, the opening image of the movie is um, a dark black screen, and you are just kind of like, like for about a minute, a minute and a half, I would guess, kind of left there just adjusting to the film's soundscape um and there's another moment midway through the film that cuts away to a to a red screen to do it and it's kind of the the sounds of the film combined with mika Levy's like really almost like primal Jarring, kind of score. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that yeah, score yeah, yeah. kind of only very occasionally comes into the film. very brief yeah um so I I think yeah I admired it more than I loved it at first watch but I I would be very keen to go back into it because as well I think so much of the film is about the the banality of their experience and the dispassionate way that mm. really horrific things are are dealt with around the edges of their life um and kind of so, if, I, I can imagine going into this blind at a, a film festival or fairly blind at a film festival being, having that kind of like, holy shit reaction. Uh, but knowing as much as I did about it, I didn't feel like I could. But uh, yeah, I'd be very keen to yeah. see it again. And also, crucially, it's better than Mean Girls. Okay. Reese, do you want to tell us what you've been up to? Oh, me? Yes. Yeah, so Joe's, Joe's done. That's it. He's two and out. I could tell you. I could tell okay. you about more. I've watched some Mae West movies. Watched some Spike Lee movies. Uh, Bottoms. I watched Bottoms. Marshall Lynch. I enjoyed his movie debut in that. Oh, he's good. Yeah, just to, just to point out, you've watched fourteen movies since we lasted. Uh, <laughs> since you watched Shortcomings, in fact. Yes. No. That. Yes. Yeah, so that is not fourteen movies since we lasted the podcast. Yeah. Fourteen, 14. movies since I watched Shortcomings. I watched. I can. I can. Wait, what, the small, you, I watched, what do you think of Bottoms? Um, I thought Bottoms was. Again, do you know I was a weird one? So I watched that one at home, obviously, because it's on it's just been added to Amazon Prime. I feel like it took me a while to adjust to because but for 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 a different reason, because I just kind of knew the premise and I didn't know kind of how goofy and elevated the world that the movie existed in would be. And it took me a while to kind of adjust to, oh, this whole world this is not set in a realistic it's high got school a cartoon. world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. it's 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 a cartoon world and it's all very silly and the escalation Yeah. Like I feel like by by the time by the final set piece, I was I was like, Oh yeah, I'm with this, I get what it's doing. And so again, I kind of like to rewatch it at some point in the future because I feel like if I am on its wavelength going in, I laughed enough throughout the runtime that I'm like, 
maybe I will enjoy that a lot more. But I would say for the moment, I quite liked it. But Marshawn Lynch, uh, oh and like an incredible, oh. um, like introductory comedic performance. Like uh, Marshawn Lynch, who was a former NFL player and was kind of like famous for his personality, uh, like on and off the field. And so it was no surprise that he was doing what he was doing. And I'd kind of seen him kind of do that kind of thing in press conferences and uh, adverts and talk shows and whatnot. But like, he's really effortless in it. And especially, you know, you you get like a glimpse in the post credits of how much they're all riffing and improvising within scenes. And yeah, he just, he just feels like a natural and you're like, you are probably going to be able to stick that guy in maybe like five to ten mm. movies over the next few years. It, it's it's going to be the same kind of stick in everyone, but he's real funny. Like that's that's pro- he'll probably get a decent run out of that, and I will laugh every time he turns up on screen. But the, lots of the women got in bottoms too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we know um, okay. who's on the Oscars panel for this podcast. <laughs> I uh, okay. I'll go. I'll do some. I'll do two TV things, two hot current TV thingies. Um, Great. I'm watching True Detective Night Country, um, which um, because of the Super Bowl. I mean, it's sort of airing Sundays on HBO and now on Mondays on now. But because of the Super Bowl, the fifth and penultimate episode popped up yesterday, which I haven't watched yet. But so it's you know almost at the end of it. Um, I've been uh, disappointed with it. I uh, think. Can I, I ask you a question? You guys are watching. Just yep. uh, no, but um, have you? I assume you watched the first series of True Detective. Have you watched all of them, or is this your first one since then? I watched one, and I definitely started two. I definitely didn't finish two, and I didn't watch three at all. So, okay. uh, so yeah, first for a while. Which seems to be the experience. Oh, okay. for, that, that actually sounds yeah. like the kind of the most common True Detective experience mm. of people liked the first season. I I didn't. Um, that and then the second one, no one liked. The third one, kind of. Turned up after a after a long time away, and no one really paid that much attention, even though it was Mershal Ali. And then this one mm. seems to have got people back in again, and it seems to have got people back in again. Reese, tell me if I'm wrong. Partly based on vibe, and partly based on it's referring back to the first series that people liked. I think that's that's what I was expecting. I just haven't found those those things as ins for the show, to be honest. Um, I think the key the key issue that the show is you know again it's we're pretty much done now is the the the, the dynamic between the two central cops for me is complete is is nothing it's it's not interesting enough it barely has any kind of friction to be honest um, and they're both they're both compelling enough in their own ways I think Callie Reese you know she's she's got a presence definitely and Jodie Foster's always she's like good a former but, former boxer or something former boxer yeah yeah. Although she, you know, she's not, she isn't that fit. She, at least so far, she's, they haven't really used that physicality apart from, I guess, in the previous episode, in the most recent episode, or episode four, they used that a bit. But I don't know. It's it's just a bit. Somehow, it's a bit generic. And I think the thing with the first season of True Detective, the reason it connected through, and it, it you know, it's, it's, if we're being honest, it's mostly those performances, but it's also it's, it's some of that, some of that writing that Pizzolatto had. And you know that he might have, he might be a, like a one a one show and out kind of guy, and he had these ideas for this one 
you know, this one series, but you know, time is a flat circle, and psycho spear, and lots of lots of lines out of Conor's mouth have stuck in the in the in the culture since then, and that's not nothing. And this doesn't have anything like that, and it's got an interesting setting, but it's not like we haven't seen stuff set in, you know, in in the dead of night Alaska, where it's sort of the sun doesn't come up for a period. We've we've seen it like thirty days of night. Thirty days of night. I was about to say so, like. I don't think we ever did cover that on this podcast, did we? Which Um, we we could have done. Well, I'm not going to spoil my choice for next episode quite yet. Um, I just haven't. I just. I I just don't really get the the praise. I I just don't. And I think the mystery is very scattered. I'm not. I'm not interested with how it's going to resolve. To be honest, the links back to the previous season are they're pretty few and far between. Um, So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish it, but uh, disappointed. But I tell you a thing that I have fucking loved this week. Absolutely loved. Really loved is Mr. and Mrs. Smith on um, on Prime. Don't oh. know if you guys have, have dipped into that. That is terrific, terrific. Um, I've watched five of the eight episodes. I dropped them all at once last week, and I've kind of popped in one one on one on an evening. And it's it's just highly recommend. Fantastic. It's it's kind of the same, you know, as the original movie premise. Really, it's uh, but but kind of told in a in a different from a different starting point and in and in a more of a, 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 a TV way, to be honest. So you meet these two characters um, in episode one in the pilot, and they kind of are essentially doing a job interview to get to get accepted by this kind of shadowy agency that you even five episodes in you don't know a ton about. Uh, and they both they both get in, and then they are paired with each other, but they're both strangers. And then they become Mister. They become John Smith and Jane Smith, and then they get these missions basically every episode they get a mission and there's sort of short time jumps between each episode Wait, so uh, this, the missions so they, are so they they know that each of them are spies yes exactly yeah so, so i guess that's that the, is quite that's, different. That's, <laughs> that's yeah that's a fairly that's different the, premise. <laughs> yeah so that that is different um so this is like great this is this is like the american americans i think that's a, that's a fair comparison having watched a bit of the americans yeah um, but it's re- to be honest with you, it's really it's just a super. It's it's a very grounded. While there are while there are you know, fun action and great sequences in the episodes I've watched, it's really just a very observational series about this about this relationship, this kind of strange relationship that these characters have met in this way and are thrown together. But but also, like, is it that is that that different from a Tinder date? You know, like you are sort of. You know, in the dating world of 2024, strangers are thrust together as 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 dates have always been blind dates. Um, and then you kind of follow these two characters who are, yes, who are kind of married to each other, but who are in from the first episode strangers, and you see how that relationship, uh, you know, changes, complicates, moves moves forward, and it's and it's just two wonderful performances from Donald Glover and Maya Maya Erskine who. I don't think I th- I I know she's in she's in that uh, Pen Fifteen show and she's in that Christmas movie with Jack Quaid but you know I don't think I'd seen either of those things so I, so I she's did just it, a sort of sparkle because I keep seeing the I keep seeing it like pop up at the top of Amazon and I feel like I recognise the name so I must have heard her being talked about but yeah I I did the same thing and kind of googled and was like no I don't think I've seen her in anything. Um, um, the episodes are decently short. They're sort of you know forty five fifty minutes, so it doesn't 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 take doesn't sort of hang around too, too long. Um, it's just, I mean, I just would really re- it's just I think it's excellent, and and I think the first episode is a really good. If you don't like the first one, then I I'm not sure you're going to like the vibe because it's a bit it's a bit of a vibe. I would say the it's something specific, but um, the first episode is maybe still my favorite of the five and is a great 
sort of it draws you in. Lisa, Lisa drew me in. I highly recommend it. It's really one of the best things I've watched. Um, you know, in a bit. And I, hope it's I literally really about half an hour before I came up to record the podcast, I saw that it was out on Amazon, and I saw that Donald Glover with it was in it, and I was like, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, so really I'm, I'm glad to hear you say everything. that. Really good. Um, and then and that's that's it for me. That's it for me. James, what, about <laughs> you? what about me? Um, I think I've done two two things of note since the last recording. Uh, the first thing that I watched was uh, Enemy, which is a mm. uh, Denis Villeneuve movie. It's one of his earlier films. Uh, might even be his first English language one. I'm not 100% on that. Um, well, no, I think he make, it comes out after Prisoners, doesn't it? Oh, does it come out after it's Prisoners? The, okay. I don't I know what was it ma- comes out like the same year. Was it made first? 20, 2013 it was. It's the spider one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I knew about uh, that. Like, I, I, what I, it I, is, I it's, it. a, it's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie about um, a guy who discovers... Uh, I, I hesitate to say it's about this because it's clearly not, but it's about a guy who discovers someone out there who is his exact double, um, a sort of famous movie star who's living a different life to him and you know he has a wife and he's got his partner and and they become a bit obsessed and entangled with each other and then uh at the end nothing gets resolved and it's very sort of turns out to not be about anything the plot is about anyway and it's uh (laughs) it's more of a tonal almost uh poem rather than a story and I thought it was pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, I think yeah, well, Joe, said, Joe said it was his favourite <laughs> of all the James Villeneuve films, so I'm interested to hear why. <laughs> well, we, uh, yeah, J- James and I already litigated this on a on a chat thread a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't seen it for a for a long while, but uh, yeah, I think I, I would have it close to the top of my Denny Villeneuve rankings. Um, I think I've seen everything after is it on Sundays? Is that how you pronounce it? Um mm-hmm. I think I've I think I've I'll seen everything. I think I've seen everything from there on. Um and yeah, I really like it. I really like the Jake Gyllenhaal performance. I think Sarah Gaddon's really good in it, and I kind of like the I just I like I like the uncomfortable vibe of the whole thing and the ending, it's one of it's one of those, and I, I said this to you, like it's one of those things that I, I can completely get not vibing with the movie and going, well, that was that was dumb. But it's the kind of movie that I wa- I walk away from and I go like, hmm, I liked that, and now I want to go away and think about why and like try and try and like engage with the movie, movie a bit more after watching. In the same way that I would probably walk away from some films and go, well, I didn't like that, so we're done <laughs> like i didn't i didn't enjoy the viewing experience so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like give it any more space in my brain um but yeah i kind of like i enjoyed kind of going away and like reading interpretations and you know what the filmmakers were going for and um yeah i i uh i i had a i had a real good time with it and i think that was like my favorite jake gyllenhaal period as well because he was he did that and Prisoners and Nightcrawler kind of within a, a couple of years span. And I just think he was kind of like firing on all cylinders around that. Yeah, um, I mean, he he is great in it. That's that's certain. I think for me, I I wanted a bit more of 
a sort of well-defined story. No, like it doesn't even necessarily have to be a plot, you know, because this film did set up a lot of plot and then just sort of didn't really do anything with it um, and ended up being more about, you know, the tone and psychology of the characters. I think if you come away from a movie thinking that was probably about something, but I've got no idea what, uh, like either the failure is with the audience or with the filmmakers. And I'm predisposed to think it was probably them rather than me. Yeah, you like yourself. Because, you know, you I've, like I've got a long history of understanding movies. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, What's everyone's favourite Denis movie? I think Arrival is a solid gold five-star masterpiece, despite the fact it has Jeremy Renner in. I, I saw that in the cinema, knowing nothing about it going in. I got invited to a screener, in fact. And I was like... I'm not busy that day. I'll go and see what it is. And I was just wrapped from start to finish. Yeah, Emmy Adams um, really good. I Blade Runner. I I I loved Blade Runner. And no, 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 maybe not everyone feels that way, but I just loved the mood, and that was such a vibes movie for me. Um, I love Blade Runner. Obviously, love Blade Runner. Weirdly, is is weirdly yeah. great. <laughs> so good. And do, do I love Dune as well? But it just felt like half of the movie and uh and very very excited for Dune to like any any minute but Blade Runner I think yeah I think Blade Runner um and I but I haven't seen Enemy or on Sondies um but yes I've seen I've seen the others I think yeah okay and then the other thing that I've watched since uh since we last recorded is I don't know if you guys saw the uh Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe cartoon that was on Netflix a couple of years ago no yes no a new season of that five episodes Ooh. and again it's properly fucking brilliant in a way that makes me think oh this is what kevin smith is supposed to be doing like he shouldn't be making movies he should be doing like 80s revival cartoons because it is so yeah i would like, i would i would brilliant. be on board for that <laughs> yeah and like it's five episodes so there's no flab on it it's just gets in gets out it's epic it's emotional and i wasn't even like a particular particularly a he-man fan but you know i'm just familiar enough with the canon to really enjoy it um, to, to memory the, the the commentary from the first seasons they did some like mad stuff with the canon like killed off loads of characters or did crazy yeah well stuff. It, that, it does things right? it yeah it does things like you know characters are who were previously stuck in that sort of perpetual 1980s um storytelling loop of this is mm. he-man's character he's not going to change get to get to expand a bit you know, beyond that narrow range mm. um and the same is true of this one like it just it's hard to convey just just how like epic in scope it manages to be with these notionally ridiculous characters and it makes me think like oh actually there are things you can do with this that are accessible to kids but also enjoyable for adults um, and how much is kevin smith like the author of the show author. is he well so he he's the like showrunner slash producer and he writes like the opening and finale episodes okay so he's, 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 he's a showrunner and he's got yeah okay because yeah, yeah. i because i do like what what you're saying there is there's there's elements of kevin smith that i could absolutely believe is is doing the things that you're saying he's doing Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I believe that he would do them, you know, if he was like the one man band, you know. So I, I, I just yeah, wonder no, whether I think... you know it's the it's the benefit of having like a 
a writer's room around him. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know from listening to his podcast, you know, back in the day that he, he places a lot of stock in like emotional sincerity. And that comes across in these things. Like there's the sequence where, you know, all of a tenure is getting attacked by Skeletor and his army or whatever. And He-Man like takes this moment to go and like save and comfort a child who is like hiding in an alley. Um, and I watched that sequence going like, I just know Kevin Smith was like sitting at his keyboard, like literally crying over his own words when he was writing this. But like, because of that, because it is sincere, it just works really well. Um, yeah, I can, I can recommend it as just a good time. Maybe not for you two. You two are probably too young for He-Man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've never watched a second of He-Man. Um, there you go. There you go. No, good um, so. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith's had such a crazy, what a what an insane career so far, right? Like, what a just what a topsy turvy kind of, <laughs> you know, what a mad career. Like how he kind of got in his his rise to like major major a major name, and then quite, you know quite a precipitous drop, and then this next this other this phase that he's still in now. You know, it'd just be interesting to see what what, what he's doing in t- twenty years. You know, um, I think it's fair to say career. he. Uh, like he has a very distinct, I think, post elf scare phase, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. uh, he was kind of becoming like actively antagonistic prior to that, and kind of mainstream Hollywood was done with him, and he did the whole thing where he like brought Red State to a festival and said that he was opening the bidding for distribution, and then like basically turned up and went, no, no, fuck you all. I, I'm not, like, I'm actually distributing it myself or something. And then he mm-hmm. organised press screenings for the film and then cancelled them day off because it's not about the critics, it's not about what they think. You know, it seemed like he'd also, like, responded really badly to the likes of Zack and Miri and Cop Out just, you know, dying Flat on their ass. Um, and, uh, you know... I'll be honest, I don't really like the movies that he's made since then, because I think they're a bit... I think he's ever been the most talented director, and I think they're a bit... It's like what you're saying, James. Like I think that he's very good at... He, he can be very emotionally sincere, but he can also be like very flippant in what he's dealing with. And mm. often that kind of like turns on a dime within minutes in a movie. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I... <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going with this very emotionally sincere stuff. Right, Clerks Three is a, is a good example of that. Yeah, Clerks Three is yeah. I read uh, the 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 kind of ur text of that, but I think I prefer this phase of his career to, you know, Tusk. Sure. Yeah. But wouldn't it be? But also, it'd be interesting to like watch. I don't know, Dogma and and Tusk. And and the first episode of this that he's a writer on and be like, is this is this the same? You know, I wonder, does this feel like it's written by the same guy? You know, what connects these these pieces? Um, <laughs> interesting. Maybe we'll get a chance. Maybe we'll get a chance. We still don't know what you've picked. Yeah, very true. We suspect yoga hoses. <laughs> I saw that in the cinema. <laughs> I'm just like I think I saw Red State with you, Joe. Starring his, starring his Nepo baby, it does. Mm. Yeah, it sounds sounds possible. I don't know whether mm. I've seen Yoga Hoses or not. I'm just looking at it. It feels possible. You would remember if you had. 
Because the, the last the only... third of the movie turns out unexpectedly to be about how movie critics are uh, insane. <laughs> uh, is that the one with Lily Rose Depp in it? That's the one. one. Of the hoses? And, yep. his own, and his own daughter. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I don't think, well, I have. I think I've seen the others. Is that all of your, of your experiences, James, that you've had? That in, is. That is. It's everything, <laughs> it's everything I've watched. Happened. Except for... Uh, because Anna's never seen The X-Files, we're re-watching The X-Files. Oh, cool. What's that like? It's great. It's so it's yeah. so 90s, and yet immediately the the chemistry is there. Like, it's so... I saw someone describe it as, like, getting the two horniest people on the planet to make a show where they <laughs> don't want to fuck each other, and that's why it's so good, and it just... It really is. But, it, yeah, it's funny you say that about X-Files, and, uh, and I'm watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and then I'm reading reviews for this show One Day, and you're looking at Paul Mezcal's career, and all that, like how... How he pinged, but you know, he sort of they, he just he pings off the normal people, and you just go, you know what, Hollywood? Maybe maybe we're all just overthinking this a bit. Just give us two hot people with chemistry <laughs> and put them in, and they're spies or they're it's one day over time or they're young or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's really just what we want to see. That's what we want to see. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to have to go back to my what I've been watching, but it, it ties in so perfectly. So I've I, I mentioned this briefly. I've been watching these May West movies. So I've got the Indicator May West box set, and I'd never watched any of her films before. Um, but like, she just comes out of the gate throwing fastballs, just immediately a movie star, and. Um, the film that I watched uh, last night was called I'm No Angel, uh, which, uh, she stars in and Cary Grant is the, uh, like a very early Cary Grant performance. He's the like main supporting lead, um, main supporting character. And the two of them are just hot and <laughs> they're, they're, and like the, the film is basically the plot doesn't make, it's so dumb, but in any moment you're like the thing that is happening on the screen right now is kind of built to what they are good at like it's just it's just playing on their strengths at all times and you're like there was really there really was something to the star system of i will turn up and watch a movie that stars that person and that person because they're hot and they have chemistry and i like them i like their personas and it's, yeah, I'm 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 so with you. Just give us give us more of that. Yeah, you know, you look at anyone but you's been like a bit of a like a, a big hit, right? Um, it's stuck around, hasn't that, it? I mean, yeah, and that's isn't that all that that movie is? It's you know, I, I haven't seen it myself, but some reviews are positive, some reviews are negative. But it's just two hot people that you want to see. <laughs> each other. It's just not that complicated, Hollywood, right? You you figured this out. You figured this out a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, like Joe is saying, so just just go back to that. Go back to it. Go to Soho House. Go to Soho House in West Hollywood, and there'll be hot people there. And just put them in a movie, and then <laughs> we're going to watch it. That's what you should do. <laughs> They're there. You don't. They don't. You don't have to go. Don't come out with a casting agent. They're just there. Go to a Soho House. Easy. How many Instagram followers they got, Reese? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you have to pick the top two. So yeah. But then again, <laughs> you're, you're in a Soho House. There are probably some people with some high numbers. Yeah, definitely. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> okay that's that's everything we've been watching um we're now going to talk about one movie news story which i have brought to the group 
Something that's um, interesting to James on the James episode of Cinematic Universe. It doesn't exactly. matter what me and Joe think about it. It, doesn't, it could bore us to tears. It doesn't matter. This is James' <laughs> That's why, we're, I mean, I could make you talk about the Barbie Oscar nominations, but I think I think we've all seen enough takes on that. <laughs> um, I don't want to bore myself as well. So instead, I want to ask what you guys think about uh, Coyote versus Acme. Ooh. Which the news came out today that despite having previously cancelled it for tax purposes and then committed to shopping it around, the I say in news, the rumour today is that Warner Brother were unable to find anyone willing to pay, I think, $75 million for the film they're going to get a $40 million tax break on. So they are officially deleting it and doing their best to do so quietly. Um, <laughs> done a good job at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've streisand it is what they've done there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just think for for this concept, which sounds really, really fun, it was produced, not produced, um, not just produced, rather. Produced and like original concept was by James Gunn, who is one of Warner's main guys at the moment. For a movie like this to get made and then shelved, I think you just look at the movie industry and go like, why Why does this exist? Like, are you sure you wouldn't rather be trading crypto or something? Hmm. It's like Warner Brothers though. is a movie studio. It's supposed to be putting out movies. Yeah. But, they're, but they're owned by a, by a conglomerate. And like, unfortunately as well, if you look, particularly if you look at the last 12 months, I mean, like, Warner Brothers won the box office last year. <laughs> they kind of they, they did, right? They, 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 they had the hits, like, Wonka was, a, was a, an overperformer, Barbie was massive, and, like, I, I think, yeah, it sucks, and that particularly... I think it's probably a result of the way that Warner kind of kind of greenlit a lot of stuff and had this strategy for HBO Max when it was HBO Max and then it wasn't anymore, but they'd already committed to stuff. And obviously there was the Batgirl stuff last year and what was it? Was it a Scooby-Doo movie or something? Or Yeah, it was um, oh, Scooby-Doo like... Christmas movie or something, yeah, and, and but and obviously, and this is this is the latest one, and I kind of think it like as as depressing as it is after they've made the decision that they're going to write it off for tax purposes and that they're not going to release it at the point where another studio doesn't meet their valuation of it, like if for them they're like it's not worthwhile enough for us to for us to sell this to someone else and it be a success and potentially be a success and like a, a kind of like a real embarrassment for us the 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 you know the margin above which we are going to you know it would have to be sizable on the balance sheet wouldn't wouldn't it for them to do it and it's depressing that we're talking about stuff in this terms but the fact that we haven't seen it is only i think marginally less depressing than Disney deleting stuff within months of it showing up on the service. 
it's uh, the, I, and like I just think it's the it's the streaming. I don't think it's a res- I don't think it's like a, a Hollywood studio problem. I think it's a streaming company problem, and the faster that we pivot away from it and back to a theatrical <laughs> model, the better. I mean, it, it does feel like the wheels are really coming off streaming, and this is a fairly big symptom of that. Although, did you see recently as well, um, Crunchyroll, which is a big anime streaming service, bought Funimation and then basically said, Funimation being another, their biggest competitor, basically. Um, and they essentially said to all of the people who had bought movies through Funimation, we don't support this, so your purchases are now gone. Mm. And so that's like next level beyond streaming doesn't work. That's like also, you know, that thing that um, people said wouldn't happen if you bought digital copies when it just happened again. Like, yeah, you I just don't, wonder, own, you don't how, own the thing. Yeah. You don't own the thing. You I just wonder how many times, how many times can this kind of thing happen? before people go back to buying dvds well that's that is that market is growing again i want to say um although also you know there are less places at least on the high street to buy um physical media but i think the i think the dvd numbers although you know sort of blu-ray and dvd and steelbook and all of it went up last year for the first one in a while i think might just be pulling that number from my as um counterpoint is maybe this movie sucked and maybe Warner Brothers couldn't really sell it because it's Looney Tunes, right? You can't have another, you can't have another studio or streamer put out a Looney Tunes movie, probably because it's 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 a Warner Brothers property. So you have a shitty movie that that is too well, is sort of it's it's too known about, right? Maybe that's that's also something that they that would have happened differently twenty years ago. Um, but I think you know movies get movies get canned right or movies get and maybe you know this sounds like it was expensive and finished uh and you know with tons of cgi but yeah movie maybe this is also just i mean there's this is a story with lots of is lots of stories but this also could just be about the rising cost of 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 movies you know it's it's as movies get more expensive it's it is obviously kind of more and more ridiculous to shelve a whatever 200 million dollar movie than it is to shelve a 40 million dollar movie uh, and that also means that more people have worked on it at that higher price because that, that's sort of often that's just reflects like hours work. So people um, and it must suck to, you know, what's the point of making this shit if you if you're not if it's not for audiences. And so the idea that it gets, as you say, deleted uh, is that must be depressing for the vast majority of people that work on it. But I don't know. That's that. That's the game, baby. <laughs> and maybe it sucked. <laughs> and Fast SX sucked. And I was going to say, I, I think movies sucking has not been an impediment to their release. Yeah, for but a maybe long time. it should be more. Maybe it should be. Maybe they shouldn't put out movies that suck. But maybe like, that's what they, they should do. And this is maybe this is that, or or maybe this is that, and, and all these other things as well. It's a story. The about thing us. that makes me wonder is that they weren't afraid to say that Batgirl sucked. With this, they were just like, no, we're not putting it out. Like they didn't say it was bad. They didn't say it, you know, it was too expensive to finish. Like it was done, and they just went. No, we're not doing it, presumably because some Excel formula somewhere said it's not going to make enough money. But but it isn't inherent in that that it wasn't good enough, right? Like that is what's inherent in there. It's it's not because it wouldn't have gotten to this stage of existing if it couldn't make money in some way. 
but it, it uh, but it, perhaps it went. Oh, this this stinks, or this is no, people aren't going. This is not going to get any awards recognition. This is this isn't enough to now release on a theatrically because it's not good enough. And this is we can't sell this through the streamer because because it, it's a Warner because it's Looney Tunes. So it will have to be on our you know have to be on our on our I, <laughs> on HBO right. And so I, so, so, I sort yeah, of think panic. I sort of think what happened was Space Jam Two crash landed, and they went okay. Well, that's. People don't want that then, so this is the first casualty of that. But probably what they ought to do is not, you know, it's just if they if they want to do Looney Tunes stuff, make it make it cartoons again. Give it, you know, hand it over to TikTokers or I don't know, right? Make give <laughs> like an AI tool with with only Looney Tunes skins and hand it to some influence and see if they can put out, you know, three minute clips. I, I don't know, like that's go back to its roots, Looney Tunes. It, maybe it just should never have been. You know, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a TV, it's a TV thing. It's, it's short form. It, it, it. That's what it should be. If it's going to be anything, it should be that, not, not that, not the sound of this movie. I think, I think if you went to see a Batman movie and there was a Bugs Bunny short before it, everyone would go home happy, regardless of the quality of the Batman. <laughs> They then watch Batman and Robin and they go, yeah, no, I didn't like that. But that short at the beginning with the, with the rabbit, uh, yeah. Doing great. an impression worth of a my, movie star from the 1930s. Yeah, worth the price of my $35 ticket. Yes, absolutely worth the admission. <laughs> anyway, I, I hope this like streaming correction is coming to an end. Um, well, I, there's going to be lots. I think there's there's going to be lots of... I think I think the Moana news is interesting this week. That that mm. Moana is something that was previously announced to be a streaming TV show is now going to be a movie, and it sounds like part of the motivation behind that was seeing how huge the streaming numbers have been for the first Moana movie and going, Do you know, actually, it's one of our most popular titles on Disney Plus. Maybe we should put this out in cinemas and make money. You know, Mean, <laughs> Go- mean Girls was going to be a was going to be a streaming movie on Paramount Plus and has made Paramount a couple of hundred mil, you know, by, just by putting putting that movie out into theatres that they were just going to pop on the streaming service beforehand. Um, I think it's probably a good thing that the streamers are realising that, but also, you know, it, it, we are going to be in this tricky middle period where things are being retooled and, like, am I confident that a movie that for so long was a TV series and it is now going to be a... a you know, is now going to be a theatrical movie. Am I convinced that the quality of the animation, which especially after Wish came out and was kind of hammered for its, you know, visual sloppiness, that that's now, you know, that's now going to be a, a theatrical release? Like, is it good enough? I just think, like, Disney seems all at sea at the moment and they kind of seem like... It, all at in... sea? Well, have ah. I got a, a man with a, with a small boat? <laughs> And some tattoos to show you, and he may or may not be voiced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He may or may not. Yes, he, he actually might not yeah. be attached. It just feels no, he, very. He is attached. It feels... right? He is. No, he's no, he's not. That was another story. Is he not? Okay, he, okay. Like they're still in conversations because this because this news that Iger dropped was I, he might have Iger might have just decided that in the morning like fuck it we're gonna you know that man on a show it's a movie oh but you know we don't have the rock or we don't have the Moana voice attached okay well we'll figure that out you know we've also announced. A Moana, we've announced a Moana live action film that would come out six months Next after this. Year. Yeah, well, yeah. okay, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Mad. Yeah, as well. <sighs> they feel like they are in, like, 
a, a re-hit of early 2000s Disney, only with a lot more content coming out. <laughs> and I and I use the word content pointedly. Hmm. But yeah, I think I think we're gonna, you know, I think I think the the companies are starting to pivot away from streaming as the answer. Um, but I I do think it's I think the knock on effects is is going to be felt for a, f- a few years at least. Yeah, I just I just know I'm never getting that fucking Armor Wars movie, am I? It's not happening. <laughs> that's what that's be. the end game here. Is that. James doesn't get his War Machine film because it won't fit on streaming and it won't fit in the cinemas. Might be best for everyone if that was the case. It's fine. It's fine. Are, you, are you all right, James? No, no it's fine. I'm... He's been a scroll <laughs> since Civil War, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's for the best. Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> okay. Um... I think oh I think that's a fair amount of discussion on the news slash non-story that a movie that no one has ever seen is not coming out. So let's uh, have a quick listen to the trailer for Randall Park's Shortcomings. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I was practically the only non-white person in my entire high school. And you never felt discriminated against? I definitely did, but not because I was Asian. Because of your inherent bad personality. Exactly. Do you remember that internship that I applied for? What about it? It's in New York. New York is overrated. It's gentrified now. How many times have you even been there? Are we counting layovers? You always assume the worst about me, and then you end up acting crazy over nothing. I'm not acting crazy, so stop using that word. You're just proving my point. Are you two, like, broken up? We're taking some time off. While the cat's away, the The mouse mouse will play with himself, probably. Can I kiss you? (laughs) Sorry, I'm a little out of practice. It's clear. (laughs) I'm gonna go to New York 
Listen, maybe you could come with me. I thought you came out here to clear your head. I did. And then I met Meredith, and I've been there ever since. So when are you going to see her? I'm, I'm here to see Miko. She's an intern here. Actually, I'm the only intern here. You have problems with anger, depression, your weird self-hatred. You could benefit from a little self-hatred. Interesting. I know you're going to want to blame this on society or on your race or whatever, but this really is just about you. Is this your rock bottom? What is she doing with that guy? They're being adorable. So we finally get to meet your mysterious boyfriend. Hello, Ben. Hi. Praise Jesus. Maybe just be honest with him. <laughs> is anyone sitting here? No. So, guys, uh, I saw this movie at the London Film Festival in a cinema off Leicester Square with a packed house, and I loved it. Um, it's based on a comic by Adrian Tamine, who is uh, is best known these days for doing these kind of wry, um, sort of satirical New Yorker covers. But back in the day, he was doing these kind of indie comics uh, about uh, hipsters in their 20s and, you know, their uh, screwed up worldviews. Do you um, do Black Hole? No, Black no. He no. did w- uh, Wilson, right? Also, no. <laughs> Is it not Wilson? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> who, no, what, who did uh, Black Hole? Or yeah. who did the comic Wilson? Yeah, well, did, I guess we'll Wilson. need now the answers to both questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Black Hole was Charles Burns. I ah. have never heard of a comic called Wilson. No, I know, I know Wilson. Oh yeah, Wilson with about and the the front was like oh, a fat guy. Side no, on. yeah, of course, yeah. It's Dan, with... Daniel Klaus, isn't it? You're thinking ah, of Daniel, Daniel Klaus. Okay, yes. mm. not the same guy, same scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he did Adrian, Ghost World. Daniel, Daniel Klaus yeah. did, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, Wilson, Adrian Wilson, Adrian Tamine's work was called Optic Nerve. Um, right. and I've heard of that. St- yeah, the story within um, Shortcomings was three issues of Optic Nerve released about twenty years ago. Um, Shortcomings is tw- Shortcomings is twenty years old. Like that, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can see it. <laughs> Why so, do you? Yeah. Can I, I, I've got two questions for you. That I'd like the answers for James. Please. Well, one is, one is, do you know anything about why Randall, especially now that you said that's twenty years old, that's fascinating to me. Why did why did Randall Park want to make this? Question one, and question two, yeah, what what did you like about it? I'm fascinated. Um, so, question one: the reason Randall Park made this is because he was a fan of the comic. Um, he mm. felt it represented his life um and you know him and his friendship circle uh in a way that he didn't get from any other media so when he had the opportunity to make a movie you know this was one of the things on his on his want list and let's face it it, um what's the ethnicity of the characters in the in the comic because that was the one thing i read that uh, that randall park said 
um, I read short, yeah, I read, I read shortcomings and I was just like, this is me and my friends. I want to put this on screen and yeah, I'm cashing mm-hmm. my check and doing that. Yeah. So the, the ethnicity of the character and Adrian Tamine is, uh, Asian American, specifically Japanese American. Okay. Right. Um, the entire cast of the comic is, is Asian American. Mm-hmm. Um, although... okay. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a race, here, a race change. Yeah, yeah, here here are some white hipsters that I'm going to put kind of my experience on top of. It was no, I'm literally looking at people who's who are like me and my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, that's um, good to know. And yeah, I think probably one of the deciding factors is like, let's face it, Adrian Tamine is not an expensive person to you know get the rights for story wise. Mm. He he also he has... I think he's got the screenplay credit right. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, oh, he, so he, wrote he wrote the screenplay. That mm. I reread the comic, and it is evident to me that he pretty much barely changed a word. Like, it's so mm. it's so close an adaptation compared to... Like, we've looked at a lot of comics adapted into movies, and nothing we've seen is as closely adapted as this. Um, well. It's expanded in small ways. There's a bit of a twist on the ending. Broadly speaking, like seen even the sort of the, the even same the sort movie. of riff, what seems like a riff on Crazy Rich Asians at the start that, of this. That like is that... the only significant mm. addition beside the ending, okay. and that is that they they went more specific with the reference. Mm, like okay. in mm. the comic, they it starts with them coming out of the movie. In the film, it starts with the movie. But in um, in the comic, are they watching a film? about Asian Americans or made by Asian Americans that is sort of, does it feel authentic? Is that the movie they watch in the comics? Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the things that surprised me so much when I went to the comic was like, Oh, actually this conversation has been happening for 20 mm. years, which was mm. them saying like, Oh, I don't, I don't see why it can't just be a good film. Why does it have to be about representation? And I was like, wow, mm. the, like 2004 people were having that conversation and here mm. we are having it. What would, what, 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 yeah. yeah. What would have been the, what the movie the movie he's riffing on in, in Doe Four, I wonder, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh that's the thing. I don't think it was a specific movie. I think back in back in the past, you know, he was just in that arts Crouch cinema. Tiger scene. And Dragon? Possibly. Mm. But I, that's I o, think that's O two, O one, O two. I think it was more just independent cinema at the time and you know, he was seeing things that you see now, which is people people get worked up over a movie due to its representation when it's in a in a festival or something and you go okay but is it actually good and like you know it's not wrong to get excited about seeing something that reflects your experience on screen but it is interesting when you praise that before you praise the quality of the story mm. for example um but yeah i was i was properly surprised to see how closely that conversation happens because <laughs> I, I was sure you know it was a crazy rich asians riff and, and it is, and yet, I mean, it in is this, in the movie. In this it is. But this, you know, the source material has it in there twenty years before Crazy Rich Asians came out. So mm. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like this movie. No, I got I the sense. Say. I got the sense. <laughs> uh, and so I'm so curious what you. I'm just very curious what you what connected um, what you connected to because I See. I found it such a heart such a tough hang i found the the main character it's just so so dislikable scum scumbaggy <laughs> and uh and i bounced off that like from the off 
And yeah. I, I think the problem I have is I just don't. I think the movie does, isn't aware of that. The movie, me and the movie. Nah, come on. I disagree. Are on are on different pages. Uh, and I really, I really disliked it. I really, I just really didn't want to spend any time with that guy from about quarter of an hour in. And then it was another, it went, it was short. It's 80, it's 90 minutes. Uh, but this was tough for me. I really, really, really did not enjoy it. Struggled, didn't like it. And I thought it was a, a tonal, a sort of a failure of, of the director, I think. And the, and, the, and the tone, I think he, I think, you know, I, I was thinking a bit after I watched it about Inside Lewin Davis, actually weirdly but i thought oh there's a movie where the main character is kind of a dirt kind of a dirt bag who makes who makes not even bad decisions just as a shit to people and uh, yet the and yet I, I that's one of my favorite movies ever but, and this mm. is so lewin davis yeah. is a movie about a, a guy making bad decisions self-destructive decisions is caught in this kind of this loop of misery that that is kind of kind of understandable and contextualized by what's happened before the movie started um i think this movie knows that its protagonist is acting like a dick yeah just quickly i would ask if if the movie doesn't know that why is it called shortcomings <laughs> No, I, so maybe I, I'm not. I, so I'm not, I, I'm not I, getting it right. What I mean is, I the think, movie isn't. It's not. It's not. It's not calibrated enough for that. Obviously, it, it, it must know because that's the source material, and then the character is. You know, it acts acts that way. But I just think it's not. It's not critical enough of of him, and it. I think the movie takes his side against the other characters, and I'm like, no, no, I'm 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 with everybody else's. I'm on everybody else's mm. page, not on your page, buddy. But I don't think the uh, movie. I think the movie's. Hmm. So I disagree. I don't. I, I. 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 kind of. I'm in the middle. Where I think that. So I watched this and was immediately like, "This is such a James movie," because like, <laughs> <clears throat> first of all, like, it, it, like, it gave me those kind of ghost worldy kind of vibes of mm-hmm. here is like a misanthropic lead, but who is kind of like poserish about it right that his his kind of worldview seems so kind of <clears throat> like it's a like it's projected or it's a shield and that the real the, the real guy which i think the movie is kind of saying like look he's in there somewhere there's a reason we're following this guy he's not fundamentally a bad person he just acts like a dick and the kind of the movie is the journey to him realizing like you're not far away from being a good dude, but you you kind of, and like it and I, and I think it calibrates kind of the situations around him to like it's not like all the people around him are good people and acting virtuously and righteously like his girlfriend in the course of the movie does kind of fuck him over some of the situations his friend puts him in aren't ideal. But he he kind of consistently handles them badly and talks to people poorly and doesn't process process his emotions right. That was the first thing. The second thing I was I was like, this is a Kevin Smith movie. Like the 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 the, the vibes of this are so like this is chasing Amy. Like the the, the protagonist that you know you you have got like a nineties Kevin Smith protagonist who is a bit of a dick. But probably underneath it all is fundamentally a good guy if they can just sort their shit out. You know, this is this is a Kevin Smith character. I and, I and so I 
Yeah. I, I was like, this is, I, I can completely see why James <laughs> liked this. I hadn't drawn that connection, but I think, yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely correct. Well, then, you know, then maybe it's a problem with casting because I'm afraid Justin in Justin Min, plays my character, isn't, isn't Ben Affleck, isn't Thora Birch, isn't, um, isn't uh, Lewin Davis, Christ, uh, Oscar Isaac. Um, you know, and he's, he's just not, he just, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have, he doesn't, he doesn't sort of get away with it, at least from this audience member for me, as a kind of, oh, you know, but he's, he, he's got that star persona and I, therefore I'm compelled to watch him be like a shit. He just is a, a boring, normal guy who's a shit to the people around him. And at the end, the movie, I think, gives him a pass and mm. I'm not sure he's learned that much. And so, yeah, I'm just, yeah. He, 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 or maybe that's a problem with direction. It's a, you know, it's not. It's not like the direction of the film is um is particularly. It's it's it's, you know, it's not directed with much panache, really, right? That the the setups are fairly straightforward. It's, I'm not sure there's any particularly memorable bits of production design or framing or any of it. So the, it's not like Randall Park is helping Justin connect with the audience. Um, and he's left to just flounder around in these scenes with. Being a shit to everybody, being a shit. Yeah. To, I think to for me, performers that I cared more about. So I, I, I thought Sherry Kohler as his friend was was more interesting to me, and um, and the girlfriend. I'm just got to figure up here, so uh, I can't remember all the performers on the top of my head. Ali Mackey, even I thought was was more interesting to me, and so so yeah. So but again, the movie is with it's he's he's the he's the protagonist. He's the hero of the story. Not even the protagonist, but the hero. Um, and, and yeah, didn't do it. So, I think after this, maybe let's go back to James and he can talk more about why he liked it. But I think for, for me, I, I think it is, a, I think it's a tightrope with this kind of character. And I think for different reasons, but I kind of agree with you, Reese, that I don't think it successfully walks that tightrope across the course of the running time because I think it kind of wants to it wants you to engage with him enough that you are with him over the course of the movie but you also need to recognize that he's not a good person or he's not behaving like a good person and that at the end of the movie he's gonna have to grapple with that the problem for me was kind of a bit a bit how just how how like linear it was between like he's doing all this and then suddenly he makes, he, he makes the realization at the end of the movie and then you're kind of mm. asked you're kind of asked to go like yeah everything he did do was shitty and his and the, I think the you know some of the scenes and the like the observations throughout like I thought it was it, it was more interesting when the when the movie is naughty so like because his girlfriend kind of has ha, she's handled the situation really badly right she could have broken up with him but she doesn't mm-hmm. she moves to new york shacks up with another guy makes up the internship and kind of leaves the scope there for him to go down this you know this this like spiral figure trying to figure out what's been going on it doesn't make it, it like he still doesn't deserve to be with her and he doesn't, you know, that it's not a relationship that we are or should be rooting for. It's pretty obvious from early on in the film that it's broken. Um, 
Like, that's more interesting to me than at the end of the movie, him just going, yeah, I've been a bad guy and and I need to change. Um, and, like, I, I think... Actually, the crazy rich Asians thing, I think, is kind of, like, indicative of the movie. Like, I think it just lacks a bit of bite because... The start of the movie, him having that rant and going like it's it's like it's not about representation. It shouldn't be about representation first. What like shouldn't the movie actually be good or whatever? Or like and and you're like, this is interesting from director Randall Park, who spent five years on mm. a sitcom working alongside the lead of Crazy Rich Asians, mm. and you know one of you know one of the most prominent you know Asian American people in film. You know, star of Marvel and DC, and the end of the movie goes. Yeah, no, I was wrong. It's good. We should. It's just good that these things exist, and we should. We should like this. And you go in like, oh, but but there there was something in what you were saying at the start, right? There is something to that. Now it might it might be the case that you know we can have that debate and go like it's it's probably still a good thing that that crazy rich Asians exists. It's probably not a good thing that people praise stuff just for representation alone or praise that first before they get to anything else. But the movie doesn't want to have that debate, <clears throat> and I kind of felt like there was there were scenes throughout as well where he was having those, like there's this scene where well there's, there's the whole thing about him, kind of fetishizing white girls, um, and like there's clearly stuff in that that's not healthy, and there's people kind of trying to talk to him about like why do you think Asian American guys do fetishize white girls? Like, do you not think there's something wider in that? And he refuses to, to engage with it. But then there's, there's the moments where like, he's having the argument with his girlfriend when she sees that he's been watching white girl porn. And you kind of are, you kind of like do kind of want to be on his side where you're like, look, it's a private thing. And he's engaging in something that he's got a fetish in. And he should be like, you shouldn't really have to explain (laughs) it to you. But then also the way that he just completely dismisses the fact that he's been watching pornography and not having sex with her. Mm -hmm. And then the way that he kind of like debates her about it. And you're like, dude, you got caught watching porn. Don't have it. And you're like, but there's something there that you're like, all right, there's, there's, there is this push and pull. And I think increasingly as it goes through, the movie moves away from that push and pull and it just becomes about him not being a good person. And like I say, just being very black and white about things at the end. So that's that's where I think it doesn't quite walk the tightrope. But I'm, I'm very interested, James, because you, you kind of... And, and be interested, you know, you said you saw it at a public screening as well and kind of how it landed mm-hmm. in that in that context. Um... Yeah, I mean, my my sense coming out of the movie is that, you know, it was a very receptive crowd that enjoyed it a lot. Like, you know, it is a comedy. It's borderline romantic comedy, comedy drama, maybe. But um, there were lots of big laughs. Like people, people really took it in. I think when I when I came out of the movie, I was super hot on it. Like rewatching it, I was like, okay, maybe some of this stuff doesn't work. Um. I agree with you guys that um, Justin Min isn't necessarily, um, you know, hitting the charisma that maybe this character needs. I don't think um, he's too far off, though. I don't like. 
No, he's close. I just I find some you of dislike the... him as a screen presence, but yeah, I think I think, you know, so I, think should... I think you're right that he's not Ben Affleck. I mean, that's that's true. <laughs> sure, yeah. But but you know who would have been good as the lead? Randall Park. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's 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 too old, I guess. That's I was going to say fifteen years ago, maybe. But that that he ha- he has that he has the charm. He has you know he's got buckets of charm. Um, and in in a way, this kind of film, this kind of role is a would have been a showcase in the ways that he he's had so rarely in his career. So it's a shame because I think it would have been good for him as a as a as a as a leading man, and it would have been it would have made the movie maybe it would have made the movie work for me. I don't know, but Randall Park I like and is and has got it, and I'm just not sure that um, Justin Lin does. I do I do think some of some of his energy is you know it's a bit lacking like sometimes he's doing these rants and he sounds a bit bored and I'm like if you really mm. gave it some welly if you really like mm-hmm. more rast it like if you were if you were shouting this stuff like it was the most important thing in the world maybe I'd buy it a bit more than your kind of dispassionate you know inaccessible delivery and I wonder if that's something that's a slight drawback about making it now versus making it in the mm. late nineties that the that the the film industry had space for that kind of thing in a way that it doesn't now. An indie film has less of a space for it now. Mm. Um and also just, you know, like today's twenty somethings are more like this <laughs> than they are like that. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I mean, more well adjusted yeah, than this guy. It might it might have been more interesting as a as a period piece actually to say this is set in in 04, because because it isn't it's set it's set now, mm. um, but obviously that makes it more expensive because you've got to do some period dressing. Maybe that's a maybe that's a drawback. But yeah, I, I don't. I wonder whether yeah, as you as, I thought it was a new piece, but when you say that's from twenty years ago, you that totally reads then in you know in in hindsight. And actually, it, it should have he should have lent much more into that than to try and than to try and kind of ignore that, or, or as you said, James, the Tomine script is is almost word for word his comic from twenty years ago. I just I do wonder whether you know work work after that period of time twenty years it 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 needs to be updated, doesn't it? it well, needs to, <laughs> how often it does, often it does. Yeah, I mean, before we get to that, because there are some things I want to say about that, but. Initially, I think the thing the thing that I connect with in this work it's similar to the comic, right? So when when I read the comic, what I saw was this kind of pop culture obsessed, uh, you know, guy with a girlfriend who's his like way into culture and conversations is kind of doesn't this suck why do idiots enjoy this stuff you know maybe maybe there are ways i can use my knowledge about this to you know manipulate people um and you know i am smarter than everything around me and in my early 20s that was kind of what i was like and the original shortcomings comic was one of the things where I read it and went like, oh, maybe being a cynical asshole about everything all the time isn't fun for the people around you. <laughs> like, it works for you because you get to feel good about every about, like, your opinions and your, um, you know, your uh, place in society. S- sitting there thinking you're morally superior to Denny yeah. Villeneuve's enemy. 
<laughs> for example. But, um, I just, I, I just never thought this guy was the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I think maybe that's also. Well, a no, but that's he the, clearly that's he, what the character's supposed to be. He thought he was right. That's the difference. He, like, he seems so dispassionate, though. I just, I don't know that he doesn't seem to care. You know, at times he cares, but often he, he just seems to sleepwalk through scenes. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like the the sleepwalking is a problem, but more with the performance than the the writing. I think mm. like. He's clearly like in that when they have that discussion and he's talking about representation, you know, versus quality. What he's done is he doesn't like that people enjoyed something he thought was stupid and he's intellectualized it. And she's saying like, well, you know, maybe not everything has to be for you. Maybe just let people enjoy what they enjoy. But he is so determined to bring everyone else down that she fully checks out of the relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, and that that is something I can relate to, because like mm, I say, see, that's the that's the kind of thing I would have done in my twenties. And I'm sitting there wondering, though, like, is there a version of this movie wh- which ends with him going like, I can still think these things. I just don't have to be a dick. I, I don't have to be a dick about them. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like let's end the movie with like smiling at crazy rich Asians and going, do you know what? <laughs> maybe it is good yeah pretty good actually because it does look like horse shit that thing that they're watching <laughs> it's it's what stephanie sue and uh oh what's the guy's name uh, uh i can't remember he's funny eddie it's um ronnie cheng ronnie cheng ronnie yeah. cheng yeah. yeah he's funny yeah. i like him <laughs> yeah um so, yeah, so to circle back on Reese's point about doesn't this work need to be updated? So the change they made in the ending, right, is that the the finale of the comic is that this guy has, like, gone to New York, alienated his uh, friends and partner and, you know, through his own stubborn-mindedness, rejects all offers of help given to him. and goes back to his hometown like so not alone like not, not the yeah yeah okay uh, and he goes back he goes back, back to la like completely dejected and isolated and alone and the the final sequence is him on the plane sort of staring out the window with the implication that he is reflecting on how you know his shortcomings have led him to this point um, Interesting. and I can see why they took that and went okay can we can we give this a more upbeat ending um, so I wrote down mm. in my notes when I was watching this that it felt like the movie had run out of steam and that it had mm-hmm. kind of done what it needed to do and it was ready to end and then he goes to New York and so I, I, and I kind of mean that, like, because he hits rock bottom kind of before he goes to New York. And whilst when he gets to New York, there are the revelations around about what his girlfriend did, and he kind of, he kind of um, fucks up his relationship with his friend a bit more. Like, th- th- it was all basically done before that. And most of what's happening in New York with the revelations around the girlfriend and stuff is like, is him realizing you know kind of like him putting himself into these more elevated situations where he realizes um 
and I, I kind of just, yeah, I, I kind of felt like the movie had, like, it had done all the exploration of that. Um, and then, and then kind of New York had run out of steam. Although I did like, um, uh, Ex Machina Girl, Snoyo. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah. looking at IMDb at the time, but she's been in a couple of Alex Garland films, Mizuna. hasn't she? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I yeah, thought she, she, she was great and because, uh, you know, I, I had not expected such a cut glass British accent to come out of her mouth as well. So that was, <laughs> that was enjoyable. Um, and I thought she was really good value. Um, yeah, Sonoya Mizuno. Um, and Timothy Simon's very funny as the, what's he call him? <laughs> Fried uh, rice. Rice King. Rice King. Rice King. Yeah, yeah, rice King. King. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That performance is so. So heightened, but hilarious for every second. So is that character before. also in the comic from 20 years ago? That's it, that's all the same too? Yes, although he looks very different. Sure. You know, they've updated the hipster design. Yeah. <laughs> um, Can we talk about the single worst moment in the movie? Go on. The fourth oh, wall uh, breaking, Jacob Battle on talking about um, <laughs> Spider-Man no, movies. I thought that was cute. I thought it sucked. <laughs> like, I quite like that, actually. <laughs> in a rare moment of, oh, oh I think I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> and all that I have to say, as someone who as someone who has worked in the cinema for basically my adult life, uh, you know that I really should be in the bag for all that stuff. And actually, gosh, I, yeah, I found that. I thought really that was going to be the stuff. vibe. There was the the TikTok mm. guy who does the IKEA videos, and there was the there was there was Ganky, and and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is this is this like again? This oh, that's when I was thinking Clerks as well, right? That we basically mm, got Jay and sure. Silent Bob there, and where we he he is a, a Dante or a yeah, and I, I'm just like yeah, okay, this uh, this could be the vibe, and then we go we kind of veered away from it, and I didn't think the stuff with the the white girl that he hooks up with was was sorry, I, I'm aware now he hooks up with two or he tries to hook up with two white girls, doesn't he? The girl who comes to work at the cinema, I thought was less Autumn. interesting. Autumn, yeah. The uh, the Sasha, the Debbie Ryan character, I thought was was mm. more was more interesting, and I thought that their kind of like breakup scene was one of the better ones in the movie. Yeah, I mean, the point of those characters is sort of to have him confront his, you know, uh, particular attractions because it's clear early on he's got nothing in common with Autumn; like he just thinks she's hot. And he, you know, manipulates her by lying to her because he's like, no, I, I want to watch on CCTV. It's icky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, I just, I want to have sex with this girl because she's white and hot and that's what I'm into. And then with Sasha, it's a bit more developed and he clearly thinks like, oh, you know, I'm making some progress with this. And then, you know, she turns out again to be not right for him. And he turns that into a failing of well. Her. With Sasha, I think there's there's a sense that this is this this is maybe something that could work if you were well adjusted, and she didn't have the other person kind of lurking, uh, but he's got the other person lurking as well. So like, uh, but uh, so I was kind of whereas the other one just felt you know broken and silly from the start. I was like, I, I can invest in this character. Also, I think that Sasha feels like a real character, whereas Autumn feels like a <laughs> a, a, sketch. A, a sketch, yeah, 
Yeah, I did. I, I think an early point where I thought, oh, me and this movie are just not on the same page, wavelength is when he goes, I think it's the first time he goes around Autumn's house and she's, she's got all the pictures on the wall of, the, of her urine. Mm-hmm. And he's just so kind of, I think the movie is, is with him and is, is laughing at her in that, at that moment, I, I, in my view, and laughing at, at when she's performing in the band. And I just thought, I just so was not, I wasn't so on the other side. I was like, here's, here's this young woman who is your, you know, underling <laughs> and you're manipulating and she's trying. She's out there trying to make art, actually. She's, mm. she's trying. She's trying. Yeah, and she's doing are... the thing that you profess to want to yeah. do. And again... actually, you, you, Ben, and the movie, I think, is is laughing at her for doing that. But in, like, I'm just not, in that I moment, because the movie validates it later on, and again, I kind of wish that there was a more there was more nuance between like, ha, this thing is dumb. Who is this? Uh, who is this stupid girl? And then later on, like, mm. actually, what she's doing has its worth. And going, mm. you know, um, is there a middle ground there? With you know what, it's great that she's out there doing this thing, trying to make art. But also, we can kind of go, that's dumb and stupid, right? <laughs> because that's what he thinks. Like that's okay, and like you don't have to be a dick about it. But like the movie doesn't. Yeah. It kind of it kind of goes it goes from one extreme to the other. And I do wonder whether there's something in like Randall Park just seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he just seems yeah, like really such does. an affable guy. And that mm. like, when you get to the end of the movie, you're like, you're not surprised that he's just trying to kind of like make good and go like. And by the way, I don't think these things, right? Just so you, just so we're clear. <laughs> I mean, so this is again. Uh, there was a point that I was trying to get to, and we sort of veered off it, which is that one of the things about this movie that I found really interesting, and that actually um, friend of the podcast Mike Leader of Ghibliotech pointed out to me, is that it, in a way, it sort of lines up with things like um, uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off in which uh, a sort of indie cartoonist from the early noughties is reevaluating the perspective of their work written in the twenties, written, written in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the, like, whether it came from the director or whether it came from the screenplay writer, uh, Domine, like, um, it, it looks like them going, actually, you know, maybe I was, even even in recognizing that I was being a dick, I was not fair to the people around me while I was trying to grow. So, like, you know, in the in the comic, Autumn's artwork just happens, and the the point of that is like these two people are so different they can't get along. I don't necessarily agree that they're making fun of her in the movie. In the comic, it's definitely like hmm. this girl is nuts. Like, you've got nothing. You've got no reason to be here. Um. But the the comic doesn't have that note of, oh, actually, she turned out to be successful. That is in the film. Mm. In the in the comic, it's just she's nuts. Get out of there. And I think some of some of the like, if you see any cynicism in the movie, that is a relic of the of the comic, because he was a much more cynical writer and artist back in the day, and he softened substantially. Um, but then, yeah. But I wonder. Maybe, maybe the, the, these are the wrong people to make a. Maybe the, the Randall Park, Smiley Cheery seems very nice, <laughs> and and an older Adrian Tomine who's softened up, are not the right people to adapt 
shortcomings shortcomings from twenty years ago. Because actually, what you need to for, what you need to make that piece and make it true to itself is is the is the heart and eyes of the cynic, you know. And actually, this movie it's like it's it's pulled in those two different directions. You know, that ending you described sounds like the cold, horrid, true end, true cynical ending of the story that you kind of watch in the movie, but. Park and an old Tomin feel that they don't want to do that to an audience, which and I get, I fine, I get it, but then make a diff, tell a different story, you know, because maybe this story should should have ended in that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think the ending in this movie is invalid. Like, I th- I think it's interesting that they what they went with was, you know, it's possible to grow. Maybe maybe this isn't the end. Maybe this is the start of him being a better person, like clean slate and everything. Um. Because, you know, he could have stayed in New York and he could have been a hanger-on. But what he actually did was say, no, actually, I want I want my life there and I'm going to go find it. Um, you know, he's happy to be home at the end, whereas in the in the comic, you're just left with this lingering, like, this guy is fucked feeling. You're going to just open the emergency door. And just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's got nothing <laughs> and he's returning home to nothing. Whereas... At least in at but, least in the movie, Ben is like, well, at least I like being in the city, and this is where I want to be. So that's a, that's something. Hmm. Um, what point was I going towards there? Um, oh yeah, I just I think I think one of the things that has happened with you know the perspective that has been gained over twenty years is that they're a bit more. Um, a bit more uh, empathetic to the twenty-year-old versions of themselves, even even as they were, you know, recognizing their flaws. They were saying, like, "Listen, you had those flaws, but so did everyone else." Like, there's not a character in this film that doesn't, you know, make some mistake um, and do something unfair. And I think that's that's a little bit of extra nuance that the comic doesn't necessarily have either Mm. um i'm thinking specifically of like meredith you know reading him the riot act and getting kind of uh, like haughty about her intellectual credentials you know telling him that he doesn't understand himself or whatever and stuff like that makes me think like they they took care in this movie to make sure not everyone was like morally unimpeachable um yeah i think i I think that's fair i think uh, like it it does feel like this is a movie full of flawed people it's just he is the most flawed (laughs) he is the most flawed yeah I did. I was watching. I, I as you're talking about this, it just reminded me. I watched um, watch Marriage Story. I watched like the, the second, the last chunk of it actually with my mum the other week. And uh, you know that, that that movie just has that incredible scene, the big argument scene between, between the two of them. And uh, you know, I, if you compare that with the scene that they that these two parents have towards the end, that's it's that is it. The Marriage Story scene for me is one about hey, these are two these are two flawed characters that are. <laughs> you know, going through this you know, real trajectory within the scene and, and being exposing themselves up to and, and each other up to all, all this all this shared history and, and yeah, I don't know. That when done really well with the with the ambiguous, the moral ambi- morally ambiguous characters in a relationship, that's those those are just some of the 
those are incredible scenes of cinema. And I, I also I think I saw an actor of all last year, like a similar scene right, that, right at the heart of that, that is one the best scene I saw all year. And yeah, this, this didn't have that. <laughs> but it would have been better if it did. And I think the I think the performers it the performance is part of that, of course it is, uh, and the direction and the script. Um, I want to yeah, you... stand up for Justin Min. Justin Min, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. st- still not looking at the, the IMDb. Um, yeah, I want to stand up for him slightly. I I think he's I think he's fine in this. I don't think it's like a a, a movie crashing performance. No. Um, He's also very handsome. <laughs> He's a cutie, and you, you're like, I can see sure. why you can see why people gave you rope up until this point. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it, you know, I don't think he's terrible. I, I just think you you can look at this movie and go, "There's a better version of that performance that isn't on screen." You know. Mm. Um, and so when it does fail, it's hard not to go like, "Well, he's the main character. He's trying to carry everything." Sometimes he can't. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to carry a movie. It's hard to carry a TV show. It's hard to act in big stuff. It's hard. This is a hard. These are hard things. It's hard to carry. It's hard to carry a film. Uh, and I think, I think in some ways, especially with you know with this project, the way the way it is, it's Randall Park is, I think, has asked too much of this young actor. You know, I don't think he is. He will be quite young. I think that, and I think ultimately Randall, it's it's on him of that. That's you know he will have cast him essentially, and he will have directed him. So I kind of, I'm you know he, he this guy doesn't have it, or at least not in this film. But it, ultimately, that's Parks. Uh, and I think if that had gone differently, this movie, this movie, as the kids say, hits different. Um, yeah. if, if that bit had gone differently, <laughs> um, well, for the first yeah. time, Reese, you, you're older than James. Oh my god! I can see my hands. Uh. <laughs> I've just, I've just remembered something else that uh, I'm sorry I didn't like, and I, and I want to point this out. Um, the opening shot of the movie, the the three of them with the title card, the shot you know where they're just like stood in front of a road, mm-hmm. and it's like the three. I was like, one, I, I thought it looked bad, and two, you're setting me up for a different movie there because I'm like, I'm like, right, I'm sat down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to explore this movie about these three people and how they interact, this friendship, yeah, this, this friendship group, mm-hmm. and then um, two of them I don't think ever talk, <laughs> <laughs> never share a scene, yeah, no, never, never share the screen. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't have done that if I were. It's, in, it's interesting because I, I would have made a better movie than. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I would simply have made a better movie. Yeah. A better um, film. I simply my... would have had fewer shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> so my interpretation of that, and I agree, it's weird, is that he was trying to do a thing that looks like one of Tamina's prints. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it doesn't. It looks bad. <laughs> yeah, and on in the same in the same vein, I think it's such it's such a like classic indie film thing to do to intersperse title cards throughout the throughout the story that bear no relation to the to what's going on. Oh, what were they? Remind me. I can't even remember, but they they're about, they're about six, right? Yeah, there are there are oh, a bunch six, of them. Yeah. You know, in true uh, sort of like mistaken idea fashion there's a lot at the start and then they taper off dramatically towards <laughs> the end i'm trying to remember like what they say i don't though. even they're remember like... if there are any towards in the new york sequence 
Um, there's one that's some some kanji, right? Towards the end, there's one that's not in English. Is there? I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. But yeah, I don't I don't remember what they were. And I don't think they added anything to the story either. Clearly. They're not even in the comic. So I don't know quite where hmm. they came from. Like I say, it just feels to me like, you know, the director was like, oh, you know, I'm making an indie movie. So mm. we're going to slightly yeah. elevate it by implying there's some kind of, you know, this is some kind of vignette rather than... Uh, yeah, but what's funny is that feels like indie movie shit from 20 years ago. That doesn't feel <laughs> like how these movies are made anymore. If they're even made... I mean, you know, the truth is that the indie scene that I guess with this movie was made at the time of 20 years ago, it does not exist in the same way <laughs> these days. It completely doesn't. And we keep joking about tiktokers and stuff but actually it probably is true that that the, the kind of person that 20 years ago would have um would have be- tried to become an indie filmmaker is now is now making tiktoks and, <laughs> and, and making tiktoks where they stuff a giant um, burger into their face and then give a thumbs up yeah yeah oh yeah i get those too um <laughs> and uh and that and then so there's an inauth- there's an inauthenticity to that uh to both what the, the story has told set in the modern day and randall park dressing it up like an indie movie from now I that do, doesn't exist that only existed 20 years ago. I do think that you're right that it would have been better as a period piece but maybe maybe the reason I respond to it so well is because it reminds me of those movies that I loved hmm. and you know if it is a pastiche I'm fine with that because it's stuff I like but yeah I, I think that those are valid criticisms I didn't mind spending the time with it. I'm, I, I kind of yeah Came out really middling on it. I thought, yeah, I thought it had its moments. It had there were sequences that I enjoyed more. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it, but I do. I've, I just thought it was such a difficult tightrope to walk with that central character, and and it just it just doesn't. And I think crucially, doesn't stick landing for me. Before um before we wrap up, hmm. did you guys find it funny? Because the thing, first time I saw it and second time I saw it, I got proper big laughs, like, all the way through. Like, there was tons of stuff in here. Sporadically, I, was, I would say. was properly hilarious. Yeah, it, absolutely sporadically. I mean, and it's hard to replicate, you know, there would have been some leftover fluids. From, <laughs> that sounds weird. Oh. I mean, you would have had memories of your initial viewing in the cinema, James, and I would have had a funnier experience in a cinema, especially in a festival cinema, of mm. course, but... I, I'm just, I'm not sure I laughed. I'm not sure I laughed once. I, I wouldn't even, if you'd have asked me what genre is that, I wouldn't have said comedy, actually, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't think of it as a comedy at all. I mean, I've, uh, I've, so, had, that, yeah. I've had that experience with movies before. Mm. And I, you know, sometimes it's very hard, but I feel like there are some things in here that are objectively jokes. And you, but you... <laughs> Great. I, was, I didn't see the direction that sentence was going in. Um, I think you also probably, James, saw it in like the perfect. Like I can't sure, imagine yeah, this yeah. played to many packed houses around the world after <laughs> after its no, festival quite. run. Well, it barely got a release here. Like yeah. I think it was well, straight, I, straight to VOD here. Uh, came out during the strike. Came when out during you, the strike. I mean, yeah, when you, the when reason. You it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know. Not, not switched, displeased yeah. I saw it, but um, yeah, I just don't think it was on my radar at all before you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, I also bet that the London one you saw would have been would have been populated with with like mostly you people yeah, like quite. you who who probably knew the source material. So again, just a perfect screening, a perfect screening. Yeah, well, I had a similar one. You know, keep bringing it back to Kevin Smith, but I had a similar experience for Clerk Three where I saw it at the Prince Charles, 
with an audience of Kevin Smith fans and loved it. Yeah. And then yeah, and that film, and that film like, does yeah. suck. <laughs> <laughs> Cloying nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that. It worked for me. Cloying nonsense, though it is. Um, <laughs> Okay, I think I think we've touched on everything that I wanted to talk about for this. Um, this is good. I'm enjoying this format. I'm enjoying having, mm, having yeah. things sprung on me. Um, it was nice, <laughs> I think, as well to have something different, like that you'd picked out this week that you know you were coming with a perspective on. Whereas last week, I was just like, "I'm going to see poor things." Should we do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to to watch it and staying awake, hey, well, speak- staying awake for the whole thing. Well, I've got news, big <laughs> news, big reveal news, because uh, y- you will need to sh- stay up a little longer to watch my film selection <laughs> for the next episode. Because of course, of course, what we'll be watching next week, of course, it's 1981's Reds, directed by Warren Beatty. And yes, it is three and a half hours long. <laughs> so it's probably a two night. It's probably a two night. Um, that's a bit fun. Uh, go Chiefs. <laughs> do, 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 do you want to give us any uh, any context uh-huh. for why mm-hmm. you're choosing Reds? Any context for why? It's on my watch list, and you guys haven't seen it, according to Letterboxd. That's it. That's the list. That's it. Right. Why is it on the watch list? I couldn't really tell you. Uh, I've certainly never seen it. But um, it stars Warren Beatty, who you may have heard of. Uh, it stars um, others as well. Oh, Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Paul Savino, and it's about uh, American in socialist Russia. Russia, and uh, yeah, incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. I can't wait, but it's long. Uh, so wow. I think yes, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a two nighter. I think I think I think probably really it's a two nighter. Um, <laughs> and yes, yeah, so that's my energy. Reds, let's do it. Reds. Reds. Sounds good. Sounds good. Where we're where can the, we find Reds? I don't uh, know. That's not my problem. I've just looked. It, it doesn't appear to be streaming for free anywhere, but it is uh, rentable at pretty much you know anywhere that you rent your movies from. Beautiful. YouTube, so if you listen, if you... Apple TV, etc., etc. Et so if you're, list- if you're listening to this for free, listener, know that every Patreon sub, if you haven't already, it helps to us to pay the bills to watch Reds. Um, so please <laughs> do do try and assist if you can. It, you know, every little helps. <laughs> All right, let's suck it up. Oh, we uh, we will also be watching Madam Web, I assume, at some point. I mean, oh we, sure, we've got to. <laughs> and if we manage to all see that, we'll be reviewing it on the Patreon. And if we don't all manage to see that, I'll be reviewing it on the Patreon. So, <laughs> God, <laughs> and the episode will have to be as long as the movie Reds, so it have to be at least three hours and twenty minutes. That is the rule. That is the rule. James, uh, if that does happen, <laughs> all I'm saying is I hope you know where your bell is. <laughs> okay, well, we did it. We did it. We did we it. Got through another movie. We'll be reviewing Reds in the next episode in a couple of weeks, and possibly, possibly Madam Web. Who knows? Um, you can find out by subscribing at patreon.com slash cinematic universe. Uh, you can find me at letterbox.com uh, slash cineverse James. I'm, uh, I'm Joe, on Twitter Joe 14 on Letterboxd. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Reese. Follow me on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm still doing it. I'm tweeting, baby. I'm, well, I mostly retweet, but funniest, <laughs> really, the funniest, the funniest stuff, the funniest stuff. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, Goodbye podcast. podcast.